Lifetime Live on SFM. If you've just joined us, well, welcome to it. That's where you are. And uh, that's Bongo Muffin you're hearing there in the background with Dependule. Sort of uh, coming into what we're talking about because I think the whole of South Africa wants answers uh, in terms of ESCOM. I guess we're all singing Dependule ESCOM. How has load shedding affected you is the question. Call us on 0891-104-207. Already SMS is coming through. Joining us on the line, Jeremy Lang, Regional General manager at Business Partners Limited. We welcome you, Jeremy. Good afternoon, Thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, thanks for making time. It's our pleasure. We also welcome Zugi Vuka, who's one of the organizers at the hashtag Unite Behind campaign, also has been working on the hashtag Fix Our Trains campaign. Welcome, Zugi. Um, thank you so much for having me, Asanda. So, I mean, uh, this has been a very dark week for South Africans, and by dark we mean literally and figuratively uh, in South Africa. Many losing out on business, uh, others, you know, trips to work have become so frustrating. Is there, you know, uh, Jeremy, let's start with you. Is there an end to this? Are we going to find a way out of this? Yeah, I think dark times ahead indeed. Um, Our our experience and exposure more on uh, declines on the SME side is that the impact is real, it's tangible, and uh, certainly detrimental to their success and survival. Uh, the end in sight, uh, a lot of uncertainty around that at the moment. Nobody is really coming out with clear answers, and uh, more questions than answers at this stage. An SMS from RC reads, uh, ESCOM, this saga is now way out of hand. We truly have achieved joke status. The sad thing is that there's no way out, irrespective of what the optimists want to believe. We are in a real deep uh, word that I can't say on a, in, during the day. Uh, Zugi, what, what's your take? Is there a way out? Um, on, on, on my side, I think there, there's definitely like a need for um, South Africa to be looking at other like alternatives, other way of um, you know, your solar and the way of um, generating like power. You know, because this is like directly impacting on people in like ordinary people that are staying in different disadvantaged um, communities. But um, I can't really give you an answer as to whether there is a way out in terms of change. But um, I've, I've been like looking or um, speaking to like a lot of commuters in terms of the impact that load shading has on them in terms of um, getting home late um, due to like cancellations and delays that we normally experience before we even um, uh, experience this type of like load shading in stage four. There have been like, cancellations and delays, but now it becomes even much more difficult for commuters or even parents to get home to, um, to a dark place. They can't even get food or cook food because there's no electricity. It's six min- uh, 16 minutes past uh, one o'clock here on Lifetime Live. We're asking, how has load shedding affected you? Uh, Jeremy, so what does stage four load shedding actually mean? Yeah, I think the first point is that uh, the, my, my concern is more the sustained level of stage four, um, which is now meaning that in some instances there are two or three times a day that you experience the load shedding, uh, which really becomes difficult for both uh, consumers, businesses, and uh, workers, for that matter, uh, where extended periods of load shedding are now being experienced 
at a time and in some instances more than once uh, a day. So even for workers uh, whom, you, whom you can think of that gets paid by the hour perhaps are suddenly out of pocket, um, suddenly businesses are closed for, for two to three, sometimes maybe four hours a day, uh, which is half of their working day. So, um, and, and we often measure the impact in terms of loss of income, loss of turnover, but there are also very real costs for businesses who lose stock that goes bad that they held in storage, damage to equipment with the on and off switching of, of electricity. Uh, I'll be very keen to see how insurers even respond to, to um, equipment both in normal households or businesses that get affected and damaged. Uh, there's no sorts of implications. So um, more than just stage four, I think the sustained level of stage four is certainly concerning. And that measurement in, in, in when it was stage two that we were talking about was about two billion rands of a loss a day. Uh, mm. That's just on, on business or on its own. What are the estimates now for stage four? Excuse me? At stage two, uh, the loss yes. a day for business was estimated at two billion rand. So what, what is the estimation at stage four? Oh, yeah, I think everybody's asking those questions. Nobody really can, can answer it uh, quite scientifically. But the loss that you refer to is only loss of income for production. I, I, I'm saying over and above that, there are very real losses. I mean, if you think of a business that's mixing things or producing things on a, on a consistent line basis, if you halt that production line during that process, that material's a very good chance that they will be wasted. Um, so they are, they are costs over and above the two billion per day that we quote at stage two load shedding. Um, and at stage four, uh, certainly much more than that. But nobody really can, can quantify it exactly, but certainly in the billions per day. Uh, Zuki, you, you speak of alternatives, you know, and how we should be looking at that in terms of uh, getting off the grid. One of the things that I didn't actually really think of, and I know there's so many effects of load shedding, is the water interruptions. And of course, I mean, it, it's kind of obvious now, uh, but I, it's something that I never thought that it could mm. be, you know, an issue that we're facing as well, because as we know, water needs to be pumped off the water reservoirs, okay. and that's electricity. Mm. I mean, th- this really does look like electricity mm. being gone puts everything on a standstill. That's true. That's true, especially, um, as I said before, in the communities that we have been um, working on, or working in as, um, as you're not behind. You know, um, in some places, the water is, is, is a problem as it is. You know, we still have, in 2019, people that don't have access to clean water. That as it is the problem. Now you get someone um, that has to use the train. The train is not working, and you know there's no electricity. You know it's like an entire cycle of um, not being able to get things done as a person. So um, we can try. There's, there's other ways of like trying to do things. Um, as I said, the alternatives you can you know solar system using. And with the weather that we've been having in Cape Town, you know, it's, it's, it's an entire mess. Um, it's, it's quite a lot of um, mess which we need to find solutions for. It's uh, 20 past one. We're going to take a short break here on Lifetime Live and continue with our chat. We're asking how has load shedding affected you? We're speaking to Jeremy Lang and Zuki Vuga. Here, there and everywhere. 
Leading the conversation today is the question, how has load shedding affected you? Call us on 891 You can SMS 40938. SMSs are charged at 150 per SMS. One such SMS uh, from Khole reads, uh, coal and nuclear power is the backbone of our energy mix. Solar and wind turbines are just an add-on. At night and if it's cloudy or rainy for three days, there's no solar power. If uh, wind is too high you stop the turbines and relay on coal and uh, nuclear so sort of saying you know the more environmentally friendly ways of intervention are not that sustainable uh jeremy what what's your take in terms of finding alternatives to this issue so i think there there are some pros and cons um, the other disadvantage for these alternative um, energy supplies like solar and uh, and wind turbine and so on is the capital investment for them over the medium term does certainly doesn't doesn't warrant the capital investment yet. So you really have to take a, a quite a long term view. There are also things like inverters and other systems where energy can be stored while the electricity is on. Mm. Um, and then generators of course, which is very expensive to run in terms of the diesel and so on that you use and may not be sustainable in the long term. So it's a matter of uh, your view in whether you try and solve a short-term problem, then there are certainly um, alternatives, but it's expensive and may not be sustainable. In the longer term, um, there, are, there are alternatives like wind turbines and hydro and so on, but they require a huge capital investment, which may not warrant a return over the short term. Zuki, I mean, talking about the poor being hardest hit when it comes to load shedding and when we look at, you know, even alternatives that you poor people are not going to be able to afford. We speak of trains as well, not moving. Uh, we talk about water interruptions and, and that. Mm. Should we have seen this coming in terms of load shedding that the poor will be the most uh, uh, negatively impacted? And and what should we have done to sort of, I mean, if we can look back, I know it's it's kind of, going saying should have would have but should we have mm. seen this coming a, a, and try a, and help there in terms of the poor being most affected yes yes i believe we should have like it's something that we 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 should have been able to be prepared for right it, it's, it's very similar to um the water crisis that we had in the western Cape. Like for us to not, you know, it's, it's a different conversation, I know, but at, at these things, you should be able to see them. You should be able to know that at, at, at a certain stage, we're going to be experiencing this problem. So what are the best ways to overcome that? Um, and also, I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking about um, safety with be, being like one of the like the concerns that people have at this moment. Um, we're not even mentioning the criminals taking advantage of the situation on both the trains and on the streets, and like factoring the um, concerns that SAPS has on. You know, it's just an entire, as I said, it's an entire um, difficult situation where we don't have electricity, also affecting water. But why didn't we know that at this point we're going to be suffering? We're going to be in the dark in South Africa. Why is it that now? Um, we we talking about alternatives. I I, I totally agree with with Jeremy. As much as I'm not an expert in terms of um, alternatives, but I believe that it should have been something that we we be able to 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 measure and cater for 
at this point. Janus uh, is calling us uh, from Cape Town. Welcome to Lifetime Live. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, what's your question or comment? My comment is that it's a crisis. We know it's a crisis. But for some some people, some section of it, it's also a booming business. Like, for instance, uh, selling of inverters, installment, then generators, contractors, so I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but also, my, my comment is, we have to we have to have a, make a solution to this. Eskom lost many qualified, you know, artisans because of this BEE uh, statement and uh, and this uh, racist uh, situation. We have to restore it. We have to give the chance to the people, those who were forced to leave the Eskom, come back and you know give the support, the knowledgeable support, and uh, start again from the from the beginning because really we are desperate we are desperate we should forget about race we should also we also should only uh, go with the knowledge and education and and what the people can do to others that's my comment thank you thank you Janus uh, Annette you're calling us from Durban welcome Has, is Annette gone hi Annette yes yes how are I'm you I'm commenting now Okay, can um, you well, can you just you start you. that comment because we lost you a little bit there? Oh, okay. My comment is that I'm a small business uh, person, and um, production has been adversely affected. Mm. You know, the people come to work; they want to work. There's no electricity. At the time when they they are supposed to go home, then electricity comes back, which means our clients, the few that we have, are not getting their goods in time. It's also, it's just even difficult to go and pick up uh, material from town and stuff like that because congestion, because of uh, uh, the robots that are not working, is unbelievable. Yeah, it is a frustrating one, Annette. Thank you so much for calling. It, it, it is, it is a, one, 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 one last comment. Mm. What is being done about people who are not paying for electricity? Because the illegal how connections. can ESCOM know? How can ESCOM know how much to prepare? How much to kiss people when there are millions that are not paying for it? Thanks or so much. are not even registered. Mm, th- thank you so much for your call, Annette. Uh, let's just uh, start by addressing those first two callers before we get to the other callers. Um, uh, Jeremy, do you want to take Janus's comment about re looking at ESCOM's management? And maybe bringing yeah. back those who were left. Will yeah, that help? Gladly. I think he raised two points. The one is there is certainly business opportunity on the alternative supply side. The problem is that in in crises like these, um, where the demand is therefore much greater for these alternative products, one would expect also that the prices start to increase, and you may even find that there are stock shortages. But certainly, on if you're a distributor of these type of equipment, um, there is certainly a good business opportunity. On the skill shortage, uh, I completely agree, and ESCOM has confirmed that they have um, had a skill shortage, uh, which also has given rise to the, to the ongoing maintenance and acting in a much more proactive manner. And therefore, I think that the skills shortage in the short term must be replaced and then develop a longer-term program if you want to uh, bring about more transformation within the company or within the organization is then to have a longer-term program, um, a formal program to then bring 
and develop the skill shortage in the medium in the medium term. We need to just uh, pause a bit. It's half past one now. Let's discussions impacting your life the most. Thanks, Utsile. And uh, before that, uh, the news headlines, uh, Zuki. Annette from Durban talking about illegal electricity connections. Do we know the um, the impact that this has on load shedding? Has it been measured? Um, I am not, again, I'm not able to give you um, figures as to how much impact or maybe um, that ha- that has on, on load shedding or on ESCOM as a whole. But I know that um, a lot of people have been encouraged by ESCOM to report um, such things, especially when it comes to like parts of um, informal settlements, where you can like literally see that there's um, wires coming from one section to another, and where people are not um, paying electricity, and that 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 is affecting everything. You know mm. that, that that's affecting everything, especially the people that the electricity is coming from. You know when you um, taking wires from one section to another. Because you find out that even though this wire is coming from one direction to another, there's another five people that are connected to the same to the same wire. So um Yeah, there is definitely some some effect. um, Solly is calling us from uh, uh, City Deep. Thanks so much for holding. How has load shedding affected you? Yeah, uh, okay, mine is actually some sort of an advice and a solution, you know, to ESCOM's wound. Yeah, I I think actually uh, this uh, SOEs, the government should actually uh, turn this into public companies where the the public has got uh, a, a, a shareholding kind of thing, you know. And then uh, it will be able to, to, to hold, you know, the, 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 the structures that is controlling or, or management to account because it will account to the public, they will be accountable to the public. And in turn, it will actually reduce poverty because a lot of public people or families will be able to buy shares, say, from ESCOM or DINEL or whatever, you know. In that way, at least, I think you'll be lessening uh, 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 poverty and putting accountability in because if somebody has got to, to, to steal money like they're doing at ESCOM, then they'll have to be accountable to the public, you know, because they'll have to be calling meetings almost on a yearly basis. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for your call, Soli. Mshoni Penny, you're calling us from Emalasheni. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Look, uh, two things. I'm residing in Emalasheni where most of the power stations are. Mm. Secondly, I'm a supplier to ESCOM as well. Uh, the, the fact is, uh, government is lying to South Africans because they have not mentioned which power station has got the crisis of supplying power. All the power stations are running as we speak, except for the two newly built ones who are not running at full capacity. So the capacity that ESCO is, is giving out, is projecting, is the same that they were, they were projecting before Gusile was, uh, was built and Midupi. So they must tell us which power station has got a breakdown or it's under maintenance or what? Because really, looking at these power stations where we are situated, there's no crisis. Yes, the corruption issue is there because even same Brian Damers left ESCOM before because of corruption he was doing on trucks. So they must just tell us where is the actual crisis, the technical problem that ESCOM has. So they're just creating a demand for these IPPs to, to be put in place so that Africa, South Africans can spend more on these IPPs. There's no crisis, I can tell you now. The power stations are running as we speak.
Thanks so much for your call, Mkloni Penny. Let's get some voice notes as well. My question is to the police and other emergency organizations within the government. Can they not help when it's load selling by being on the road where the people must go to work and when they're coming from work, can they not light up the roads maybe or just be visible on the road? Some SMSs also, uh, Julian Pretoria says, I wish it was possible that ESCOM only switches off the electricity at night at the same time for all. For example, from 9 in the evening until 4 a.m. I'm running a mini confectionery and it's affected severely. Sabulela, uh, Dani, so SMSs are some of the mines that produce coal are closed. The few mines that we depend on are not producing sufficient coal. This is why we are in this problem. These are my words. Words, uh, that our parents grew in the dark. This is not new. And um, Errol Presley says, if ESCOM employees and employers hadn't indulged in corruption and mismanagement over the years, the lack of power from Kariba Basa wouldn't have been a problem. Let's get closing remarks now, uh, Jeremy. Yours, maybe starting with uh, the suggestion from Solly there, who is in City Deep, saying that if the, the shares are made available to the public, then there's more accountability in terms of management and rooting corruption. Would, would that help? Yeah, I think there's four things I would like to, to say as far as that's concerned. The first one is, regardless of whether there's a public or, uh, or private institution, um, governance is key and inter- internal controls have failed. Um, so that needs to be restored regardless of the, the state, or legal, of state of legal entity. I think there must be accountability um, as far as the mismanagement of funds has, gone, has been concerned. They have to be more transparent. Your, your guest spoke about transparency, um, and the minister also uh, confirmed that uh, in a public statement that they, have, they need to be better at communicating information to us. Yeah. And lastly, the operational effectiveness or ineffectiveness of ESCOM needs to be restored as soon as possible. And collectively, if these things are, are resolved, I think we will be looking at a much different ESCOM and a much better supply of electricity to the nation. Zuki, your closing remarks. I think, for me, I think we need to start looking at the um, as the last caller was was uh, was saying. You know, yes, when it's it's ESCOM, you know, when when there's a problem with the top management or how the board is functioning or like no one really is able to locate who does what or where the money goes, that's where the problem starts. So I think we should start taking, you know, people into account. As Jeremy is saying, accountability and transparency. We we need, even those that are no longer with ESCOM now, the question is, what are we doing about them? Are they being held into account? Is there any assets being seized? What What's them? Because someone just comes in an SOE, loots and leaves, and then nothing happens to them, right? So we need to start, like, interrogating such things so that we can be able to, to restore and get the money back and get things moving. Just finally, the issue of time uh, that uh, Julia is suggesting, would that work if, if, you know, the load shedding is done at a specific time and would ESCOM be able to do that? I, I don't think so because there's like certain areas. That's, I think that's the reason why they have provided a schedule because they can't, 
um, shut the entire countries down at the same time. Because we need to remember that there's uh, like hospitals and there's like public institutions that are disadvantaged. Um, and sometimes they do have like access to generators. But I uh, personally don't think that would work. I think now it's, it's, they're doing the best they could to um, shut down one, um, maybe one section of the area or one city at a time and then allowing another one to have electricity. Right. Well, thank you so much uh, to the both of you. We appreciate your time here at Love Time Live. Right, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. So Jeremy Lang is Regional General Manager at Business Partners Limited and uh, Zuki Vuka, one of the organizers at the Hashtag Unite Behind uh, campaign. Also, she has been working on the Hashtag Fix Our Trains campaign since uh, 2017, chatting to us here about how has load uh, how load shedding affected you. Thank you so much for your SMSs and your calls on this topic. Of course, our programming does continue. So let's engage further.